Welcome friends to the Someone Gets Me podcast. I am your host, Diane Allen, and I am so delighted that you're here. This podcast was created because I believe there is a visionary leader inside each one of us who is waiting to be seen. In each episode of Someone Gets Me, you will hear useful tips from successful visionaries who will share their stories about how being seen has allowed them to take their vision out into the world with action. Hi friends, it's Diane here with Peter Mann. We're going to talk about neurodivergence in the workplace. Neurodivergence in the workplace because it's part of Peter's life in a really powerful and meaningful way. Peter is an entrepreneur. He owns his own companies in Virginia, and he is neurodivergent. Yeah, in the real sense of the word, not just throwing the word around for kicks. And he has had to overcome a lot of challenges and obstacles, and yet he maintains a level of success that is very inspiring. So Peter's taking time out of his busy day today to share with us some of his life, some of his work, and maybe tips for some of us who think maybe something might be off or maybe that we're weird or quirky and what to do with that. So Peter, thank you so much for coming on Someone Gets Me today with me. Um, I'm looking forward to this conversation because there's so many nuances. <laughs> so welcome. All right. Thanks, Diane. Yeah, I'm really excited to be here. <laughs> and so you're in Virginia. And like we were talking about before we started recording, I have a lot of friends there. And so what is your favorite thing about living in Virginia? What do you love about it there the most? Wow. Yeah. So I'm in um, Southwest Virginia near Virginia Tech. And so I really like the the mountains and the, you know, it's just really clean. Um, I lived in Austin for 20 years and um, in a while it was fast paced and fun and, you know, a lot of tech companies, there's also a lot of traffic and there's like no traffic here. And so it's just kind of nice. Like you get in your, your car to go somewhere and you know exactly how long it's going to take to get there. And so it's just, you know, it's, I don't know, it's just small things like that and just, you know, just nature and, um, you know, quietness. Um, it just is just really appealing. Yes, me too. I, I just moved recently from the Tampa Bay area of Florida where crazy traffic, craziness, getting more and more angry and weird and crazy. And I was raised in Florida, so I never thought I wouldn't live there. And now I live outside of Winston-Salem where I know how long it's going to take me to get everywhere. <laughs> and, and it's like all the roads are, are just nice. Yeah. Wow. It was like a huge, like refreshing culture shock for me. Yeah, I really like it. It's, you know, there's actual infrastructure built out for the amount of people that, that live here. <laughs> so, and so, and it's, you know, everyone's friendly and, you know, I've lived in, you know, several different places, but um, yeah, this, this feels like home. So it's, yeah, we really enjoy it. Oh, that's really cool. I love that. So give everybody a little bit of a flavor of your journey. Like you, you know, you, there, you grew up thinking there was something wrong with you or something was off. And then how did all of this stuff unfold? Just the, like the cliff note version that you realize that neurodivergence even a thing. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I, I always knew I was different. You know, I just remember as a child being told, you know, you need to make eye contact. And it's like, I just couldn't, you know, it was about my brain shutting down or, I, I would just not acknowledge neighbors that would say hi and I'd be in my <clears throat> somewhat in my head and you know just you know constantly being told that I was doing things wrong and and I was you know never really thought 
anything was wrong with me, just that I was different. And to me, other people were weird. <laughs> so, <laughs> and so, you know, fast forward, you know, until, you know, the last couple of years, my wife was watching uh, the CBS morning show and they profiled the woman um, who's autistic um, and works for the government. And she was describing her hyper-focused abilities and her, her abilities to see patterns or to see, you know, details and changes. And she's like, oh, you need to watch this. <laughs> I watched it and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's me. And that kind of put me on a journey of, um, it eventually led to uh, actual the diagnosis for, you know, um, autism. And it, it, it just, for me, I think it's natural just to go back and just relive all the events of your life and see it through a completely different lens right. and, and have just this understanding. It's like, oh, that's why you know, this situation. And so for me, it was pretty life-changing and, um, you know, I'm you know, proud to say I'm autistic. I don't have any um, reservations. I know there's a pretty big stigma to it, but I'm just trying to speak out and speak for it and, um, you know, really just raise awareness, um, you know, so life can be better. We, you know, a lot of these challenges that we have are imposed by society. And it's in my opinion, needless in a lot of cases, and it just makes life harder than it, than it really should be. All right. I totally agree. So how did you feel when you were watching that show and you're like, oh, my God, that's me. What kind of feelings did you have? It was just this. Um, I mean, I've always thought I was a pretty self-aware person and <laughs> and human behavior has always been an interest of mine just because I've always thought that, you know, people are people are different. Um you know, I knew as a little kid that adults don't always know what they're talking about. <laughs> so <I> just, <laughs> and, and so. Um, it was just this, you know, everything just came into focus. I don't really know, um, more, it was just a bit overwhelming, um, yeah. and, and, and it kind of culminated in when I, you know, was meeting with, um, the woman that did my, um, diagnosis when she, you know, finally disclosed it after all the stuff that we went through in the process. And it was just. And she goes, what do you have to say? And it was just like, this is a lot. Like, that's all I could come up with. It was just, it's overwhelming, I guess, is because it's just, you know, years and decades of experiences that you're just reprocessing. Right. You know, exactly. so in it, and it's in it, you know, goes on for a while. It's like, and then it's like, who even am I? Right. Like, I've been masking all this time. It's like, who's the real me? <laughs> it's this, right. this whole, like discovery process right it's like getting to know yourself again but for the second time yeah exactly yeah. yeah wow so you were in the military and i'm really curious about how now that you know your diagnosis and you understand some of your own processing things how did the autism you didn't know you have ha a affect you in the military? How did all of that work? Because I, I, my understanding and a lot of people who have neurodivergence is that, you know, the IQ tends to be higher. There's giftedness going on. You can see things other people can't see. I mean, you have this great company. We're going to talk about that in a minute. All of these things, these gifts that you bring to the table. So how did that affect your military service? Yeah. So, um, so I went to college on a Navy ROTC scholarship. And so then, you know, I, I, I was required to serve four years um, as an officer in the Navy, which is which is what I did. <clears throat> Part of it, I think, is a little bit um, 
you know, there's some situations where I don't know if it's this is uh, uh, being autistic or just being young, but I was like a little bit naive to not realize that we may go to war. <laughs> so that's that's what happened. The first Gulf War um, that we, you know, were sent to the Middle East and I was the gunnery officer. And, you know, I really did well because I was, you know, calm under pressure um, and dialed into what was going on, you know, in the, you know, communication or the, you know, kind of the the room where all the, you know, radars and uh, and the weapon systems. And my boss, who is in charge of, you know, everything there was super emotional. And the captain's like, it essentially just put me in charge sometimes because he was, he couldn't focus. And it was like, this is not a time to be emotional. Like, Right, exactly. <laughs> when you're in a war zone. So from that perspective, you know, I was just like my range of emotions are, you know, a, a narrower range than I think the typical person has. And so I was it was really well suited for that. Where I struggled was the schedule was really um, difficult, like the sleep patterns weren't normal or natural. And so um, for me, it was it was really difficult from the sleep standpoint because I wasn't getting a regular seven or eight hours of sleep a night. Some nights it was three hours and some nights it was four hours. And then at best it was six. And I was just always exhausted. And I was like, I can't do this as a career. My, you know, it's one of the things that I've identified um, in terms of just like health and well-being is is getting proper sleep. Um, otherwise, I kind of tend to do more of a shutdown. Um, and it requires a lot of energy to, you know, keep going if if I don't get proper sleep. Right. Yeah. You notice it a lot more. I, I know I have yeah. sleep. I can go for a short period with the weird schedule and things like that, but it takes its toll very rapidly. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. And it was funny because my, my mother was, um, she's, you know, extroverted and she was always concerned about me as a child and uh, always underestimated. And she didn't want me to get out of the military because she was concerned I wouldn't be able to get as good of a job in the outside world because, because I was different. And, and it's just kind of amazing now to everyone's just a bit baffled. <laughs> like, how are you doing so well? Because you struggled so much when, you know, when, when I was a kid and it's like, now it all makes sense. But, you know, at the time I was like, I, I can't, I can't, you know, as much as there's aspects of the military that I enjoyed, it's like physically, I, I, I can't operate on this little sleep. It's, I just, my, my body and brain just doesn't, <laughs> doesn't work right. <laughs> it goes, it goes tilt like the old pinball machines and that's it. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you get out of the military and have you always been an entrepreneur and, and, and doing your company or did you try to work for somebody else or how did the career start to go from there? Yeah. So my, you know, my um, degrees are statistics and um, industrial engineering. And so I had never taken a business class in my life. And um, when I got out, I, you know, I, I didn't really have the confidence that I, I, I didn't even know what to do to run a business. I've never really been in a business before. And so I, you know, spent probably 10 years, um, most of it working for two Fortune 100 tech companies. And that's really on-the-job MBA-type experience came in. Um, and then when the dot-com 
bubble burst in the early 2000s. That was my push to (laughs) go off and start something. And so I started an e-commerce business in 2002 or 2003 with another guy um, and ran that for seven years and then sold that business to start, you know, the current business, um, Aransi, that I'm running right now. That's really cool. I love that in your description of your current business, which I want you to tell everybody about because I think it's really cool, that one of the descriptors that you use is that it's intuitive. That the, that the work you do is intuitive. And, and I think that that is a really amazing descriptor. So I want to share a little bit about how this company came to be born and what you love about it. Like how come it turns you on every day and you get up yeah. and so yeah, the business has evolved. So I started it as um, I wanted to create a brand um, really focused on indoor air quality. And this was kind of stemmed from my son who was asthmatic. And I just remember him as an infant really struggling to breathe. Like some some days just changing colors. I'm like, this isn't good. <laughs> it was It was frightening. And you know, uh, and I was like, there's got to be a, a better way. And, there, and, you know, there were some, you know, products on the market, but I kind of felt like there was an opportunity to do something better. And so that's really uh, where it started. And, um, you know, COVID really kind of blew things up with, you know, air quality really became uh, <laughs> right. um, uh, the, the awareness really um, was, you know, raised. Um, and in that process, I, you know, met, um, some folks here in the U.S. that were in the the motor business, and you know, we merged with a, a company called Avimore, uh, a motor technology company, um, in the summer of 2021. So, you know, technically, instead of saying we're an air purifier company, I say we're a motor technology company, um, and we're in the process of restoring our manufacturing back to the U.S. because we figured out, you know, part of it's based on the motor technology, but part of it's based on how we design products that we can, you know, really make these things um, in the U.S. with better performance and lower price than the Chinese, um, which to me is pretty exciting because I grew up in an area where, you know, in the 80s and 90s, jobs were just lost to overseas. And the fact that we can, you know, bring it back um, and, you know, leverage this technology, not just for air purifiers, but really anything that uses an electric motor, we theoretically can make a product for and so it's like, wow, it's yeah, there's just so many options um, for where we can go. And I think the timing is 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 really great because of the whole this whole clean energy and the shift um, from fossil fuels to electrification. And we have the engine that can run a lot of these products. And so um, I think we're really well positioned. And it, at this point, really just comes down to how well can we execute. But for me, it's you know, air quality was kind of an obvious thing for me just because my son was asthmatic, but, you know, it wasn't for most people until COVID hit. <laughs> and it's, then it becomes like, oh yeah, this is really important. <laughs> we need to, uh, we need to do something about this. Well, you're reminding me of, of all the, all the press and all the information I've read over the years about like sick building syndrome and, and how um, I saw an article recently how in most homes their inside air quality is worse than the outside air quality, even if they're living in a polluted area and things like that. And, you know, asthma and breathing things are 
you know, very common in, in gifted people and in high intelligence people. It's part of the, the brain development differences, I imagine. And so I think that's a really inspiring place that you started, you know, like you look at your son, like this can't be, I have to do, I have to solve a problem. And then you took all of your gifts and ability and created something amazing that now is expanding even bigger. And I, I just love the feel of that story. Yeah. I mean, it's something I'm passionate about. Um, and, you know, I kind of, it, it's rewarding because you, you know, we see comments from people, how it, it impacts their lives for the better. And, you know, I think just doing good um, is, you know, it makes it showing up to work every day and, you know, work is pretty much all I do. It's kind of like my special interest. That's where I get my, you know, dopamine or my, you know, good chemicals, um, from and you know if you can improve the lives of lives of someone else I, to me it's i mean i think that's what it's about um it's you know it's just so rewarding um to do that and um just really grateful that you know, so i have this opportunity right and, and i'm sitting here really grateful that you have all these skills that nobody really knew that you had when you were younger that looked difficult that are now creating something really powerful and beneficial, not just for your family, but for lots of people. Like, you know, it's kind of one of those things that when you were a little kid, people probably would have looked at you like your mom did and said, oh, it's going to be really hard on you. And then you end up landing someplace that it's those unique differences in you, those neurodivergent things. I, my, my belief is that everyone's neurodivergent in the sense that no two systems are made the same. So, all of us have something that's really powerful if we would say yes to it. And I'm really excited that you've been saying yes to it. Yeah, I would say, you know, we all have strengths and weaknesses. And when you're different, people tend to pounce on your weaknesses and, and, and ignore your strengths and you really need to play to your strengths. And, you know, no one's good at everything. But I think it's figuring out who you are, what you like to do, what you're good at, and just going all in on that. And that's essentially what I've done. I, I know I'm not, there's areas where I'm really weak and and I don't beat myself up over that. I'm just like, I'm, that's not the type of person I am. I'm good at, you know, these three things. And that's, <laughs> that's all I do. It's, you know, it's like playing the hits. It's like, you know, you don't want to, <laughs> like, you go to a concert, it's, what is it, um, LCD sound system, they have shut up and play the hits. It's like, yeah, I just, just keep playing to the hits and, you know, you know, focus on your strengths and just get even better at it. Um, because, you know, at, if I focus all of my weaknesses, you know, maybe at best I can be average, but that's, it's average isn't good enough. And so, um, and, you know, and, and don't beat yourself up over, over the weaknesses. Cause it just, it's just, you know, life's too short to be <laughs> dragged down and there's enough, there's enough people that say negative things. And, um, to me, it's, you know, uh, you know, it, it's not healthy to have them, you know, just kind of just pull you down to, I, I, from my perspective, it's pull you down to their level. It's like, mm, yeah. no, <laughs> I agree with you. Yeah. You're, I'm listening to you going, uh-huh. Yeah, I agree. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so what do you do for fun? What do you do for enjoyment? Yeah, this is something that's so my wife's neurotypical and it's kind of this was something that was she's like, you have no hobbies. <laughs> it's like, like, all I do is think about like work things or marketing or, you know, this is, you know, something we could do with a product or 
Um, and so for me, I, I, you know, I like to, you know, you know, go on walks or, you know, jog or basketball games, um, and stuff like that is kind of what we do. Some do some travel, although since COVID it's really been, haven't done a lot of that. Um, but for the most part, I have very few hobbies, um, and interests, which I think, you know, it's pretty common amongst autistic folks. I just have like a, a few small special interests and go super deep on those. And I, I kind of don't know anything about anything else. <laughs> right, exactly. So what do you go deep on? What what rabbit holes do you enjoy going down when you're dialing into something that, you know, that... So for me, I just like human behavior and marketing and, you know, people aren't rational and it's just fascinating to me just kind of look at... <laughs> you know, what people, you know, connect to and, um, you know, and, and, you know, there's so much change taking place right now with AI and social media. And, you know, used to be people listen to the radio and then, you know, TV was a big thing. And now it's like everyone's on their phone. <laughs> and it's just, there's just like the evolution of, of change and, and, and just, you know, just kind of just, um, you know, being part of it. Cause I think it's a pretty, you know, um, you know, crazy time right now with, you know, from the technology standpoint that, you know, in the fifties, sixties, seventies, I don't think there was a lot of change, you know, taking place then, but in these last, you know, 20 years, it's, it's been phenomenal to, um, you know, see all that and be a part of it. So. Yeah. The, I think the change is picking up. You know, the, yeah, most definitely. Yeah. And where is it going? And what is what is AI going to do to things? This <laughs> Right, right. And then what and then I think about not only is what AI going to do, but what are the people, the humans going to do in response to that and in response to each other? Because some people are loving AI and other people aren't so much and other people are skeptical. And so there's all these varied human responses, behaviorally and emotionally as well. So it, it's quite interesting. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I don't. I don't think anyone knows where it's going. Um, there's fears out there because it, it could, you know, do some bad things. But you know, it's also, you know, can maybe, you know, um, really help in other ways. And so, um, yeah, it's. I don't think anyone. I think if anyone knows where it's going, I don't think they know what they're talking about because it just, <laughs> it's, it's, it's too new. Oh, I love it. So if somebody's listening here and they're finding out that maybe they have autism or they're neurodivergent in a way and they're going through that aha moment like you have that was overwhelming, what kind of words of inspiration would you give somebody who's on that kind of journey of trying to figure out more about who they are? Yeah, for me, my perspective is like if you're autistic is just... Um, you know, we're just different. There's nothing like wrong with us. I think in society, we're kind of viewed as a defective person. You know, the language that's used, um, the medical model calls it a disorder. Um, and it's just like, to me, it's like if you're left-handed or right-handed and a left-handed person's not a defective right-handed person and they're just left-handed. And and so much in life is about um, awareness and expectations. At least that's from my simple mind, how I've distilled it down to and having awareness for how you are and how society is and then setting proper expectations um, around things. And 
you know, you know, often if you set really high expectations, you're it, to me, it seems like you're setting yourselves up almost to be disappointed if the bar is is set so high. And so, you know, kind of what's realistic and what and for me, it's like, what can I do to be my best self is 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 really important and, and having awareness for what it takes for me to be successful and to feel good and to have energy manage anxiety which is a lot of what what autism is at least for me um and i think for a lot of other folks and um but you know at the end of the day it's just you know to me it's just part of um natural part of biodiversity and just you know that's that's how i see it and i think that's how a lot of other autistic folks see it you know we don't really see ourselves as a person with autism we see ourselves as autistic adults um and um y- you know for me the other thing i found is as terrible as twitter can be there's actually a pretty good autistic community on twitter um of folks who chat and share stories and information um and it, and it really kind of lives up to like the ideals of what a positive platform can be <laughs> so <laughs> and so like you know, if you get in the political and some of the other stuff, it's it's a it's a bit of a mess. But within the autistic community, there's you know, it's, it's I, I learn from other people, and you know, folks share their experiences, or you can throw something out, and people, um, you know, will will contribute their thoughts or their experiences. And to me, that's that's been really helpful because you're not like on an island by yourself. You can actually like you know. You know, you know, it's still social media, but you're still um, connected with people who kind of get you. And what I found is the um, therapists who happen to be autistic themselves or obviously have the lived experience have the best insights. And you find some of these people in on the social media platforms uh, who are sharing um, their, you know, their perspectives. And to me, that's just been super helpful. Um, in in terms of just navigating all this and kind of really coming to the realization um, and raising my awareness for autism. Because, you know, if you went back a few years, I really couldn't tell you a lot about autism, even though I was autistic. (laughs) (laughs) You can say what your life experience was, but not much more than that. And and I, I, um, it annoys me when I hear the pathologizing of somebody's experience, because you know, calling autism a disorder or neurodivergent people are somehow the difference makes them less than or something, because I totally disagree with that whole concept in, in our culture. And what I see is that people that have unique, really amazing qualities, and some of them could be autism related and some of them not, have like a unique calling in the world. There's a reason why you and other people were born, whatever the labels are or aren't, in order to bring something beautiful to the world. And so when we look at your life and the fact that you have brought beautiful things to the world because you used your strengths, that's what really matters. It's about following that strength and letting it bloom in a way that really serves yourself and others. And so I think you're a really good example for people. Like if if you're out there listening and you're beating yourself up or worse, you're pathologizing yourself and making yourself sick or less than, it's time to start embracing who you are in a proper, good, healthy way and love on yourself a little bit and have compassion. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think it it kind of breeds um, so much of this is confidence and self-esteem. And, um, 
you know, I, for me, I, I know like um, if I'm having a shutdown or something's off, like I, I'm, I'm operating at like 10, 15 percent. It's it's a real struggle. But if I'm on like I am on and I don't I just kind of, you know, feel like I can compete with anybody or or, or really accomplish um, you know, everything I'm setting out to do. And so for me, it's around just managing, um, you know, self health, I guess, or, um, and having awareness as to what it takes to, to get to that, that kind of place, the healthy place, because it's so, you know, to me, it's so important. Like I can't really function well if I'm not, you know, you know, if I'm, um, don't have the confidence or, and just not, you know, my, my best self. Right taking care of yourself in order to be able to do that, right? Yeah, for sure. So what's the most memorable food you've ever eaten? Like in your yeah. like when you look back and go, oh my God, that was something either really great or really awful, but like what pops in your mind? Yeah, part part of like autism is um, they call sameness, which is basically we eat like the same things over and over again. You know, um, the... Um, uh, well, I'll give maybe two examples. One is this is an example of like, <laughs> um, so from kindergarten through 12th grade, I had peanut butter and jelly sandwich for lunch every day and an apple. I had the same same thing. And then on Fridays, uh, I grew up in New York and we uh, had a like Catholic influence. So we always had fish on Fridays. And so it was like a filet of fish. And I remember in fourth grade, uh, we had a substitute teacher. And instead of marking down almost everyone getting play of fish she she marked us all down as getting the egg salad sandwiches and to me it was like what a colossal mistake like who and i think it was because like i had an expectation for like what what it was because we always get fished on fridays and and this lady um just made a mistake and got the order wrong but i was like it just struck me as like I, I was speechless. Like it just like ruined. It was, it was devastating to me, and it wasn't even like I didn't like eggs. It was just the. It, it was you know part of like the routine or part of the, and then it got changed up, and it's like, holy cow, did that hit me hard? And 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 I still remember it like it was yesterday. And so to me, that was like probably the most memorable because it was unexpected and triggering, and. You know, this was kind of probably late seventies, and I don't think you know in schools they were set up to handle autism. They weren't set up to handle me. I got um, no kind of, um, you know, I, I wasn't treated differently than anyone else, and <laughs> it was just. <laughs> but for me, that was probably my most memorable meal because it was, <laughs> it was, it was not expected. Oh, I can tell I'm, you're telling the story and I'm going, oh, my gosh, I could <laughs> feel it like, oh, no, you know, <laughs> I had this um, image of one time I was, I forget, I was in some restaurant with somebody and it was a similar kind of thing. I thought we were getting this food and something completely different came and my taste buds were ready for this. <laughs> and then this came and I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. But I can only imagine being a kid yeah. in school. Like, you know, did not like, handle it well. <laughs> <laughs> especially fish to egg salad like i'm sorry <laughs> yeah it's like it was like a filet of fish i mean it was really good it was like oh <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> oh, my word, my word, my word. Okay, so um, I only have a couple more questions, but I first wanted to ask you if there's anything on your mind that you wanted to share on your heart that you wanted to share on the show today that I didn't ask about or we didn't talk about that before we end, I want to make sure you have a chance to share what's important to you that you would like to say. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I, I you know, um, I did last year is I, I, I put a LinkedIn post out where I was willing to, um, you know, uh, do video meetings with you know a number of autistic folks to help them either um, navigate the hiring process or you know potentially move up um, in their position because for me while I I kind of have done okay in interviews I you know I worked at you know, two large companies but I I you know got to middle management level and I kind of saw I wasn't going to go any further because it you know, requires more like politics i guess in my versus actually like doing the job and so um and what i found is you know um you know when i look at the statistics the you know autistic unemployment rate is just crazy high you know as much as 85 percent in some reports so most autistic folks are unemployed and and I think a lot of it is the hiring process is is set up to exploit weaknesses and it's not set up to really hire an autistic person. We're just we just fail in the process. We don't make proper eye contact. The body language is off from what they expect. The questions that are asked are can be can be really difficult to answer. And so I've really been um, really and what I found is it's not so much that I think the autistic person's the problem. It's the neurotypical person in the hiring process um, is just doesn't have awareness that their hiring practices are not inclusive. Um, and it, it's it, it's excluding or discriminatory. And so I'm really just trying to speak out to um you know, the autistic folks keep doing what you're doing and keep showing up. But for the neurotypicals, we we need to really change um, the hiring process. And I, I was chatting with a, a colleague recently, and she said that I think it was her husband um, went for an interview and they provided like a sheet that had like, this is when you show up, this is what you wear, this is your schedule, this is who you're meeting with. These are the questions we're going to ask you in the interview so you can show up prepared and 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 you know are there any accommodations needed for this process to make it successful for you i mean it was like oh my gosh like this <laughs> this is how it should be at every company and it's not it's we're in this old school you know very it, it's it's set up really if you're a social extrovert you do great in these interviews or your persuasion comes across but if you're not wired that way the interview process is is not set up for us, and so, anyways, I just try and um, bring that up because it's it's not a lot of work, and there's almost no cost in changing it. But it's um, I think there's just so much that that needs to be done there because autistic unemployment rates are significantly higher than than they should be. It shouldn't be that much different than the general population. We're at the other end of the extreme. Right. I totally agree with you. And I'm glad you brought that up. And so we are having your LinkedIn um, link is going to be in the show notes. So if you're neurotypical and you're not really sure what to do from here and it matters to you, then contact Peter. And if you're somebody who's autistic or struggling or not sure you're autistic, but you have the same kind of questions, I suggest that you go on LinkedIn and connect with Peter in some way, shape or form and see how that kind of collaboration can help. Because your point about the fact that neurotypical people 
have as much or more responsibility in all of this as the people who have the diagnosis of autism or the people who are autistic who don't know it yet. All of that is the practices in so many places are are antiquated. They're old. They exclude whether they know it or not. And sometimes people think they're doing the right thing, but they haven't expanded enough to realize that their blind spots are creating issues. So you have a great resource in Peter. And so find him on LinkedIn and reach out to him and make sure that you get your needs met and have him answer your questions or see how he can direct you because he obviously has um, knowledge about this. So I have one final question for you. That's one of my favorite questions to ask. And that is, is, if we're going to put a billboard up that the whole world is going to see with Peter Mann's inspirational quote on it, what would you want the whole world to see on that billboard? Hmm. Yeah, this is... uh... So one is I, I tend to not like to draw attention to myself. <laughs> I would never have a billboard, but I would say, um, I mean, this is more work oriented is, you know, Steve Jobs, Steve Jobs had this quote, the best idea should win. And to me, that's a very autistic viewpoint. And it's, it's not, um, you know, this is the way we've always done things, or this is the senior person in the room, or this is, it's like the best ideas should win. It doesn't matter who it comes from. Um, you know, the, the ideas should stand for themselves. And, you know, and I think that's part of, you know, if we really want to drive um, diversity and inclusion and, and you know, solve difficult problems, you really need to have that kind of a mindset. And so, I mean, I, I guess that's what I would say. <laughs> Perfect. I love that. I love it. And it, it so totally goes with how you do the world. So I want to thank you, Peter, for taking all this time out of your busy day in your life to hang out with us here on Someone Gets Me, because what a great conversation. I am really enjoyed my time with you. And so thank you. And remember, everybody, keep your face to the sun so the shadows fall behind you because you're a rock star. You are here on purpose with a purpose. So go out there and let your ideas shine. Be who you're meant to be. Until the next episode of Someone Gets Me, be well. Thank you for listening. I trust you gained some valuable inspiration and information. Please join me and other visionaries in the Someone Gets Me Facebook group. Or for more information on my services and additional episodes, visit someonegetsme.com. Again, thanks for listening.